What does it even mean? Your pursuit of gut health is probably taking you down a rabbit hole of misinformation, useless concoctions, and false promises. So this is where this uncensored podcast comes in. The gastroenterologist and his daughter is the first of its kind, bringing a specialist gastroenterologist and his daughter, yours truly, to help you navigate the world of all things gut health from mouth to bum and everything in between. Join me, Sandra McHale, gut health specialist dietitian and founder of Nutrition A to Z, and my father, Wagdi McHale, specialist gastroenterologist and internist, as we unpack the most talked about topics in gut health, covering both the medical and lifestyle aspects of all things gut, with a ton of comedy and fecal tete-a-tete. Right, let's get into it. Welcome back to the pod, friends. I am flying solo today, as currently dad is in Switzerland, but is out and about with mom in the city, and we have deadlines to meet. So before we wrap up our first season, it's crazy to think it's our first season. Don't worry, there's one more episode left. But anyway, we decided that an episode to talk about the Gut Chronicles is warranted. So as a lot of you may know by now, my book has finally made it out to the world last month after about three years in the making. Today, I thought I would gather the most frequently asked questions about the book and perhaps give you a glimpse of what it is and what it isn't for you to decide whether this is the gut health book you need. So here we go. The Gut Chronicles has been, I would say like a venture that I wanted to bring to life for such a long time, but the timing was never right. We had the virtual book launch, I think now it's about a week ago. And I remember my dad was part of that launch too. And he even just commented in the chat section that he asked me to write a book about seven years ago. I just told him, not right now, I just don't have time. So here we are. So it was conceived, I would say during the pandemic as I joined a writer's group. So hello to my fellow Birdhouse writers. We had these fortnightly meetings behind our screens, which I would say really set the ideal scene for an accountability group that actually made the writing happen. So. You can think of this book as a passion project dedicated to my gastroenterologist father, but also to everyone that has suffered in silence, not knowing where to turn to. If you've been following me for a while and you know my background, you would know that my infatuation with gut health was definitely born out of a mix of being the daughter of a gastroenterologist, as you all know, and experiencing the unpredictable and painful symptoms of IBS, which I also share in an episode on this podcast. So throughout my career, I've also made it a mission to break the taboo around poo talk and just to reassure everyone that digestive symptoms and problems, no matter how mild or severe, need to be addressed out loud. In the book, I talk about how growing up, our dinner table talk involved a lot of hospital calls dad would have to answer, shouting at things like rectal bleeding, anal fissures. So yes, a lot more of these dinner appropriate terminology and the horror on our friends' faces whenever they visited was hysterical to say the least. But you know what? This was our norm. Bowel talk was nothing to be ashamed of. So as I began to put this book together, I did not want this book to be just another gut health book on one's shelf, given how saturated the market is. Some of you may ask, so why, you know, why did I pick these specific conditions to talk about in the book? 
Reflecting back on my practice in hospitals and in my own clinic, I decided that the Gut Chronicle should cover the seven most common gut conditions that many find themselves secretly Googling about. So I did use statistics, you know, looking about what the most common gut conditions are, but I also just used my own experience, professional experience. So the book features easy to digest guidance on how to manage these following conditions through storytelling and humor. The seven conditions are reflux disease, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, irritable bowel syndrome, food intolerance, and hemorrhoids. The book also offers the reader a roadmap to a blissful gut, which freely covers my four pillar approach and addresses the relationship between gut health and mental health, given how the recent pandemic has had an impact on both. So what makes this book different? I would say the storytelling is definitely different in comparison to other gut health books that are out there. So the characters in the book were all inspired by my clients, which make it relatable to the reader. And I also included snippets of my own personal gut struggles, as well as my own turbulences with mental health. Most importantly, though, I wanted to make sure that the backbone of the information provided was based on the latest science but communicated in a way that would not lose you. A common question that I got was, could you give us a glimpse of, you know, what the content is? So I would, you know, I thought I would just share a snippet of the chapters in the book, just to give you an idea of what the content, you know, includes. So here we go. So just bear with me for a minute until I actually find my book. There goes impeccable planning, not. All right. So the book is actually 12 chapters. The first chapter, which is the introduction, really looks at defining what personalized nutrition is and what it isn't. The second chapter really takes you back to basics. And this is where I really talk about our digestive system. Symptoms and system are very closely, they sound so similar. And then the third chapter talks about our gut microbiome. So this is our inner ecosystem. In this chapter, I also talk about the most commonly you know, spoken about connections like the gut immunity axis or the gut immunity connection, the gut brain axis. I even talk about the gut thyroid axis, the gut skin axis. And then I introduce the reader to probably the key players. So who are these microbes? We look at the good ones and the bad ones too. In chapter four, we look at how to feed your inner ecosystem. So it's the one on feeding your gut microbiome. And this is where I actually offer a snapshot or let's say the introduction to the building blocks of food. So I really take the reader back to basics to, you know, to understand what are carbohydrates, what are proteins and fats. And then we talk about fiber in great detail. I also cover some plant-based eating FAQs and we talk about what damages our gut microbiome. From chapter five onwards, this is where we start delving into the different common gut conditions. So chapter five is all about reflux disease. Chapter six, and I would say that potentially might be a very popular chapter that you know resonates with almost everyone. It's all about the bloat. So in this chapter, I talk about what is a normal bloat, how we bloat, and how to manage the bloat. 
I also give you that first glance into FODMAPs for these fermentable sugars. And then we do talk about some alternative therapies for bloating and supplements as well. In chapter seven, that's the one for the fecally challenged. And this is where we talk about constipation. So actually defining constipation and we look at the different types of constipation. We look at the medical management of constipation, including supplements. But I also talk about my six-step toolbox to managing constipation, which includes things like fiber, your toilet habits, how much fluid you should be drinking, the different types of movement. And here's also, you know, another thing that I wanted to mention is when is it important to see a pelvic floor therapist if you do suffer from constipation? In chapter eight, we cover the other end and that's bumfluenza. So that's diarrhea. Again, we look at the most common causes of diarrhea, the type of investigations and tests that you'll probably, you know, have to undergo to figure out, you know, if this is just a tummy bug or when is this worthy of your concern and needs to be investigated further. I also talk about the food related causes of diarrhea and mention these specific conditions. We talk about the therapeutic approaches, so that's the medical management of diarrhea, but also the suggested dietary approaches to managing influenza. In chapter nine, I've dedicated a whole chapter to irritable bowel syndrome. So offering you an easy to digest snapshot to understanding IBS and what we currently know. Then we talk about the first and second line, perhaps drug treatments of IBS and first line dietary and lifestyle therapy too. I do talk about the FODMAP process in great detail in this chapter and also giving you a snapshot of these different phases and how to get you started. If you're unable to see a dietitian early enough, if you need that extra support. So I would highly suggest if you have been diagnosed with IBS and feel a little bit lost, haven't had the chance to see your dietitian yet, then chapter nine is for you. In chapter 10, I also cover something that's extremely popular, and that is a food intolerance. We talk about the differences between allergies and intolerance. Why do we develop a food intolerance? And actually what the biggest food intolerance myth of our you know, century is. We talk about how to diagnose food intolerance as well. And then I talk about the different sensitivities that one can experience. In this chapter, I also mention the low food chemical diet and give you a bit of guidance on where to start if you are suspecting a food intolerance. Chapter 11 is on hemorrhoids. So that's the one on bum dumplings, as I like to call it. And it's funny because it's it was a very interesting chapter to write and I didn't think that I would have that much to write about hemorrhoids, but apparently I do. I think one of the things that I highlighted in this chapter is how to end the stigma about such a sensitive topic. In chapter 12, and that's the one that ends with a blissful gut. So I offer you a recap you can call it, of the four pillars. So that's nutrition, mind, movement, and sleep. And all the techniques and tools that come under each and every pillar to help work towards that blissful gut. I do offer some recipes. So there is a recipe section in the book, but yeah, that was just a quick rundown of the different chapters. And uh, you know what? Another thing I wanted to add in today's episode is going through some 
FAQs based on questions that I put out there on social. So I think I was on Instagram and was it last week or just over a week ago asking followers if they had any questions about the book. And then I also gathered some questions that came through from the virtual book launch event that we had. So let's get into them. Question number one. I've been struggling with chronic bloating for a very long time. Can this book help me? Right. So I assume you've had the necessary tests done to establish the cause of your chronic bloating. And if not, the chapter on bloating walks you through the necessary steps you need to take and what sort of conditions we're looking to rule out. If you've been diagnosed with functional bloating, so we talk about, you know, renaming functional gut disorders to, let's say, the disorder of the gut-brain axis, then the book covers numerous ways you can address that, especially in chapter 12, where we talk about the mind pillar. You can also use a chapter on the bloat to perhaps tweak your diet to reduce the amount of gas you're producing, whether through temporary eliminating or reducing certain foods, or even just being mindful of some eating and lifestyle behaviors you need to change, like chewing well, not using a straw to drink, and not wearing tight clothing around your belly. So I hope this book will help you. Another question that I got was, do I still need to see a dietitian when following any of these elimination diets? Look, the short answer is ideally yes. This is to make sure that your diet is providing with necessary nutrients and calories to prevent any risk of nutrient deficiencies or unintentional weight loss. Now, the elimination diets mentioned in the book, like the low FODMAP diet or the low chemical diet, are only snippets and don't provide you with a full extensive list. So you can use that as a starting point to, you know, ensuring that you're still getting diversity score. We also talk about in the book to keep your gut microbes happy, even during an elimination period. So again, in summary, yes, in an ideal world, ideally, please do always seek a dietitian's help or a registered nutritionist when you're, you know, if you do need to undergo any temporary elimination diet. Another disclaimer about the book is that it does not replace your doctor's advice or your healthcare team's advice. So this is just not, you know, medical advice before changing anything. You always need to cross-check with your healthcare team. The next question that came through was you talk about the mind pillar when it comes to managing gut health. Do you mention any strategies that helped you in the book? I do talk a lot about my own personal experiences with burnout, anxiety, and fear of pain in the book. And I do mention techniques that I've acquired throughout the years, such as diaphragmatic breathing. I also mentioned something called like my three-point body check, brain dumps, and so on. So yes, I do talk about these methods in the book to inform the reader of all the options that are out there to use, including psychotherapy and seeking support from a psychiatrist if needed. And I think there should be no longer any shame attached to that. Next question was, are there any recipes? So as I mentioned, yes, I do have a small recipe collection as I didn't want to turn this into a cookbook. Maybe this calls for a future project. The thing is I wanted to offer a snapshot of how to translate the recommendations mentioned in this book into let's say practicality in the kitchen. So for every condition, whether it's reflux or diarrhea, I've offered some recipe suggestions that can get the reader started. And another question that kept popping up was, will the book be translated into other languages? 
The answer is yes. The plan is to have the book translated into German and hopefully Arabic as well to target the MENA region, given how this topic is still so taboo. Now, I'm not sure how the lightheartedness and the comical personality of the book is going to translate into these languages, so we'll just have to wait and see. Right, my friends, so this bite-sized episode is coming to an end. I don't even know how long I've been talking for, but I just wanted to leave you with a literal excerpt from the book titled The Future, and this is actually how I ended the book. So here goes. The Future. Frankly speaking, I'm unsure as to how I would like to end this book. Gut health has become an endless tunnel of discoveries, and I'm fairly certain by the time this book has launched, more breakthroughs are going to have been made. For example, the last few days, I've personally connected with women in science who are doing incredible work in the field of probiotics and colorectal cancer, as well as nutritional psychiatry and psychobiotics. What has enabled these discoveries are the tools currently being made available to us, such as microbiome testing. But once again, hold your horses and don't jump on the first test you can get your hands on. I've briefly spoken about how microbiome testing and analysis is still at an early stage for commercial use, despite being marketed everywhere. Scientists have not been able to establish a gut microbiome profile commonly accepted as healthy or normal, and that could reliably predict whether a person will develop a particular disease. For curiosity purposes, and only if you have spare money, then you could give these tests a go, but only with reputable and leading companies in this field. Most importantly, be mindful of how you interpret any results, because if test results indicate that you're missing some beneficial microbes, you may already have ones that we haven't even identified yet that are doing a similar job in keeping you well and healthy. We just haven't named them yet. By saying that though, our poo has literally opened up a portal to a world that may be central to health and well-being. The headlines will continue to feature work around our gut microbiome, which may well set the scene for what the future holds for our health, possibly powered by our gut. The questions we're now asking ourselves, Will we be able to formulate specific bacterial concoctions for us to manage disease? Will we be able to advise people specifically on exactly what bacterial types they need to boost and what foods these microbes need to thrive to protect them from disease? Could probiotic supplements serve as a junk therapy to antidepressants? Could changing our diet to boost our microbial diversity reduce our risk of Alzheimer's? We don't have all the answers just yet, but I do foresee that the next five to 10 years will uncover more innovative approaches to managing disease using our gut as a center point. So for now, I want you to use the power of imagination to construct a futuristic world of personalized nutrition. I want you to imagine this as a world where Uber Eats has upgraded to the Uber Me delivery service. This is a service that sends you a poo test to analyze your gut microbiome and understand your gut woos. Then, based on the results, creates and delivers tailor-made meals straight to your doorstep. You can also get hold of your own Gardening for Dummies manual on how to care for your internal garden, highlighting how some foods such as cooked and cooled potatoes, lentils, oats, and mushrooms can help your own garden to thrive. Down the line, this level of personalized nutrition may end our endless pursuit of health and wellness. So my friends, the future of poo has never been brighter.
May you no longer have to endlessly search the internet in secret for solutions to your gut woos. And I hope that these chronicles have delivered some sort of self-help confidence in gaining control over your gut. With that, my friends, I will see you on here, hopefully next week. If not, we'll be with the week after with our final episode of the season. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Gastroenterologist and His Daughter podcast. Don't forget to join us again. And if you've been enjoying our chats, make sure you subscribe, follow, or leave a review on your chosen platform.